All right. Hey, everybody. The Wednesday Night Longhorn live stream on On Texas Football brought to you by Bobby Burton. I'm your host, Ray Peters, an old TV guy from way back when, but as I say every Wednesday, I'm not the important one here. Look at these two superstars I got in the uh, side monitor over here. I got uh, Rod Babers, lifetime Longhorn, great DB for the Horns back in the late uh, 90s and uh, early 2000s. And then Justin Wells, recruiting expert. Rod, we'll start with you. Just give me a little introduction. I like to do this every week. Throw you a bone, buddy, because you're always good to me. Where do you work on the radio in Austin so folks can tune in and listen to you every weekday? Uh, yeah, thank you very much, Ray. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. and good to be on with you guys. I work uh, 6 to 11 a.m. weekdays on uh, the Horn. You can get the Horn app. You can download that or uh, you can catch it on 1019 a.m. 1260 or you can just go to hornfm.com. Um, that's where you can catch me weekdays uh, on the radio. But, of course, on Texas football. That's my passion, baby, talking Texas there football. There you go. Yeah. And they, you have some uh, extra shows on there with uh, some of the folks like Ian Boyd and uh, Jerry Hamilton, and you do a, a lot of things for the channel here. So we we really appreciate that. Justin, as I mentioned, you're our uh, recruiting expert. You are on uh, Inside Texas and write plenty of articles for the folks to read and uh, learn about things that are going on with uh, Texas sports. This, of course, uh, is on Texas football, but the big news today is actually in the sport of basketball. And Coach Rodney Terry, people were wondering, Hey, this guy's a nice guy. He did a nice job last year finishing off the season. Can he recruit? Yes. So tell me about <laughs> the guy that they signed today on the final day of a signing period in college basketball. Yeah, you know, the, the beauty of, of, of Rodney Terry is he is the polar opposite of his predecessor, Chris Beard. Like you could not find two people on the opposite <laughs> sides of the spectrum that much different. You know, Coach Beard was kind of in your face, kind of old school, disciplined, don't want to catch you drinking soda during the day. You know, get your greens, get your milk, get your recovery. Terry's more of a really nice guy. I mean, Ray, you said it. Roddy Terry is yeah. one of the nicest, easiest guys to, to like in this business. And last year, after their big run, he had a bad week after that Elite Eight. And it was they lost Ron Holland to the G League. To a big price tag. I mean, that's going to happen. And Ron Holland's going to play in the NBA for 10-something years, and it, that's just part of the game. People ha hammered Rodney for that. You know what he's done? He's not, he just signed the top five top five class in the nation in college basketball with three guys. The number one player in the state, Nick Cody. The number one guard in, in, in Trey Johnson and also adding a, a big-time forward in – just dropping my name right now. Cam, Cam Scott. Cam. Cam Scott, right. And so – here, here's what Trey Johnson gives you. He, uh, To me, there's two prerequisites to get on a basketball court. Ball handling and shooting. If you can handle the ball and you can shoot, you'll always have a place in basketball. I had an old coach tell me one time, if you couldn't shoot, you shouldn't be able to play. And, and I, I live by that. Trey Johnson can do that from the six in a 6'5 wing. So he's that, that kind of that prototypical combo guard. You know what I mean? He is tremendous. He picked Texas over Baylor, Kentucky, uh, Kansas, a few other a few other places. One of the best in the country. Like I said, I think on three has him as the number four, number five overall prospect. Rodney Terry yep. is a guy that easy to pull for. And when he's pulling in talent like that, the best in Texas, one of the best in the country. That's listen in basketball. That's all you got to do. You just got hit big on two or three guys each cycle. You mm -hmm. don't have to 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 to. to Kill yourself over a 25, 26, 27 man class. You got to worry about a few of them. And if you get those guys, that those, uh, two guys can make all the difference in the world in Division I basketball. And so Trey Johnson today was huge. 
Tip, hat tip to Jerry Hamilton at Inside Texas. He had been all over this from the start. Him and I had been talking about it a lot on the recruiting breakdown. Um, and at the end of the day, Trey decided, you know what? He's the Lake Highlands guy. He's, he's from DFW. He was at Link Academy in Missouri this off this last season. But, you know, he's a DFW guy. And I, I think Rodney Terry, I'm just it's one of those where you're just really happy for Coach Terry. Because, like yeah. I said, he took it on the chin after losing a couple of recruits. He took it on the chin when those guys went pro. But Terry didn't stop. And he's building something. He's doing something really well in Austin. And if you're a basketball fan, this is exactly what you want to see in the Moody Center this season and the next. Yeah. And they're also going to be hitting the portal just like they have been for the last few years, obviously. So they're going to have a nice blend of the older players they, and the younger Right. Guys. They've actually got another recruit that's going to be coming in that's a little under the radar. We'll have something on that when it's appropriate to talk about. But they're also sure. looking at developing some guys because Trey Johnson might be a one-and-done type. I mean, this kid's yeah. cool. You know, he's got he's some key yeah. to him. And so – but they, they're doing it. They'll they hit the portal when needed. They'll fill in the blanks. They'd like to have another big – uh, you always do because you're probably going to lose Dylan Mitchell to the draft. His freakness yeah. is get drafted eventually. And so you're right. They'll do it the right way, though. And I think that's why Rodney Terry is so liked in Austin. Hey, um, Matthew, I think that we're still doing it, the uh, two months for a dollar thing. Would you mind putting that graphic up? Because this uh, kind of goes back to what Justin's talking about. If you just go to Inside Texas, where Justin writes uh, many, many articles a day, many a week, along with his uh, teammates, Jerry Hamilton, Bobby Burton, Eric and Eileen, Joe Cook, uh, Ian Boyd, Paul Wadlington. I hope I didn't miss anybody in that uh, roll call right there. But uh, Inside Texas is the, uh, in my opinion, and, and I, you wonder where Ray came from. Ray's a reader on Inside Texas. And so I've got, again, the experience in television back in the day. I liked what I was reading. I liked watching the uh, YouTube channel and things like that. So I contacted Bobby. I said, hey, man, if there's any way I can help out, if you need uh, somebody on your bench, just uh, – Hey, I'm here. And he says, you know what? Let's give it a shot. So that's why you see my sorry, but every Wednesday night. So uh, I'm a fan of the website of the uh, crew that we have uh, creating all this content at Inside Texas. And if you'd like to read it and keep up on things like the recruitment of Trey Johnson or Nick Cody or Cam Scott or football, as we're here to talk about. And we'll trust me, we'll have another 55 minutes of football after this uh, conversation is done about the promo code. But uh, just type in OTFIT23 when you go there to sign up. You get a dollar for two months and you must select that monthly offer. But it's a great way for you to get a sample for two months. That'll take you through the end of the uh, season, obviously, and into the new year. And uh, then you'll see it and you'll like it and you'll you'll hang around for a while. So I just wanted to let you know that that's uh, out there for you and you can keep track of everything that we're talking about. So we got uh, Iowa State coming up this Saturday, 7 o'clock up in Ames. Uh, weather, I think, mid-40s, so not too bad. Could be a lot worse. Roger, Justin, describe you. Uh, generic question to get you started. What have you mm. seen on tape with uh, Iowa State? I know it's a very broad question. The three-three-five. We hear about that uh, he caught defense that he essentially, you know, created, or or maybe made definitely perfected. What did we yeah, expect yeah. on, on Saturday night? Yeah, he's one of the founding fathers of it. There's no question about it. Um, and uh, that defense is is pretty good. Actually, I loved. I actually like their secondary. Uh, TJ Tampa is a really good player. Uh, they have another guy, <clears throat> um, Frailer. Uh, yeah, Bo Frailer was a really good player for them in his secondary safety. Jeremiah Cooper actually is leading the Big 12 in interceptions. He's got five on the season. They got 15 on the season as a secondary. I like the secondary. Secondary actually wow. is pretty good. 
Yeah, uh, they do. They got some good players in that secondary, man. But um, I think really the what kind of jumped out to me, I went back and watched yes, last year's uh, Iowa State game. I did that yesterday and watched Iowa State. And I went back and got my notes from last season. And one thing that stood out from last season, guys, was the third down conversion rate of Iowa State last season with Hunter Deckers. Now, it's a different quarterback because Hunter Deckers has been dismissed from the team because of the gambling scandal and everything. Um, and different, some different receivers. You still got uh, Jalen Noel, who's really who's actually a good player for them. Uh, and they have Jaden Higgins, who's another good player. So they got two good receivers. They're competent and they're capable. Uh, but last season, guys, they were nine of 15, if I'm not mistaken, on third down. Mm-hmm. And they had a great day on third down. And it wasn't just third downs, it was third and long. Like third, they were actually seven of 10 on third and long. Last season versus Texas. That's third and seven plus yards to go. And I'm thinking to myself, man, how'd that happen? Went back and looked at my notes and found something that eh, it's, it's got me a little anxious. They are the first ones to actually expose Texas on, you guys have heard me use this term a lot, targets to bunch formation, right? Closely clustered groups of receivers. Here's some numbers that I went back and verified when I went re- and rewatched the game. So, Hunter Decker's last season completed 80% of his passes when they were targeting bunch formation versus Texas last season in Iowa State game. They completed 60% of their third down conversions. They at six when targeting bunch formation last season. All right. Five of those were third and long, third and seven plus yards to go. Staggering, mind blowing number. They also did. A, they also had a lot of inside breaking routes, tons of them. As a matter of fact, Hunter Deckers, another crazy number that's going to freak you out, completed over ninety percent of his of his inside breaking routes. He he was dealing. There's a ton of inside breaking routes. He was close. It was a lot of them of inside close. It was unbelievable. Now they did get Texas did get an interception on one of those inside breaking routes too, which was really good for them. There was an interception, um, but. And it was an interception uh, when they were targeting much. Remember, Jalen Ford had that really clutch interception. But when you start looking at third and long, Texas allowed them to be three of three on third and long when they were targeting inside breaking routes, any inside post routes, skinny post, drag route, cross crossing route, over unders, all that kind of stuff. This season, particularly, Texas has struggled defending those concepts um, and defending third and long situations against those concepts, specifically the last four games. That concerns me a little bit. Texas is a much better team, a more talented team, no doubt. But Matt Campbell will go back to that old strategy, I guarantee you, not only because he's watching film this season and it's worked because last season it worked so successfully too. Mm -hmm. Hey, Bruce Bond had a comment in our uh, 721, Matthew. Let's speak about uh, Texas offense versus Iowa State defense now. Will that flyover defense, 335, whatever you want to call it. Um, What, Rod, what's – we hear a lot about how Sarkeesian has a problem with that. What are we, uh, what's the assessment there? Why is, uh, there seems to be some truth to that, don't you think? Uh, yes, there is some <laughs> truth to it. It's, um, the best way I can describe it is a great, um, it's a, it's a great defense for disguise and distortion. And it does a great job of disguising everything pre-snap and forcing quarterbacks to process everything post-snap. Uh, I mean, that means, you know, even if they have predetermined reads, uh, no matter exactly what the route progression is, 
because you it's so, such a malleable defense with the three high moving those safeties around. You're really not sure until they declare, all right, what their responsibility is in coverage. You're really not necessarily sure what the uh, coverage is, and you got to do that post snap because you know, it's, it, I had a coach describe it to me. It's the truth that tells a lie. All right. So you really can't believe your pre-snap diagnosis. Uh, that hurts Sark and Sark's offense a lot. A lot of it depends on the RPO game. That's why it's good at defending RPOs. RPOs depend on the quarterback's box count, right? He's counting the numbers in the box. You have the advantage in the box. You hand off the ball. If you don't have the advantage, you got the advantage on the outside. Boom. You're hitting the tag on the outside. Well, if you're a quarterback and you and you miss you have a miscalculation or you you know don't count correctly or they bring in that safety into the box at the last second and you misjudged and thought you had the numbers advantage and you didn't, then that's how they can really disrupt RPO concepts as well. And it's great against the run game because run game is all about blocking assignments. If you don't know where your blocking assignment is because they're shifting late. Uh, in the you know in the pre-snap and then they're shifting at the last minute and then they're coming in late from different angles and different lanes you can also miss your block and miss your assignment because you don't actually know where the defenders are coming from that's why it's good in the run game because the guys are coming from different angles they both actually both frailer is that guy for them uh, he's basically a linebacker playing middle safety for him and he just comes downhill and you really can't account for him because he's on the second and the third level, and it's hard to account for him, but he is a run defender. He's a force defender pretty much. Uh, and so they it, it, that's why it's great against the run game and it's good against the pass game. Now, the, what you do, and Sark's done this, my theory is you expose it, right? And how do you expose it? You expose it by um, essentially getting extreme on offense, formationally getting extreme in your personnel groupings, uh, empty formation the 6-0 line package if you go really really heavy then they have to abandon their pre-snap shell disguise they have to abandon distortion because you got to get to your alignment and assignment and then when they get to their alignment assignment then the offense has better indicators who to block they have better indicators about what the coverage may be what the front's going to be and Sark has done that actually in the last two games he's been running a lot of unbalanced formation uh, which is essentially you his his unbalance is I call it quads, all four receivers. You got four receivers on one side of the field. <laughs> mm. um, and, and, it's a, and he's running from different sets, but he's run damn near 40 plays in the last two games with an unbalanced set. That's his way of being extreme formationally yeah. and therefore forcing that defense to declare itself and therefore abandoning its most unique strength, which is its distortion and disguise. And he's done a he's done a, pre, a pretty good job. But I think in this game, and my man Ian Boyd uh, brought it up too in uh, football theory, uh, empty formation may work really well. You know, this is a really good defense, but they have I like the secondary, but they have fewer um, pass defenders, fewer elite or I would say capable pass defenders, and they have yeah. more capable run defenders. You want to put those guys oh, on islands. Those guys are they're the safeties are two twenty five or so. I mean, they're big guys. Yeah. They're almost small big linebackers. Guys. So yeah, exactly. they're great to run, run fits, yeah. but maybe not covering a guy like uh, Xavier Worthy. Hey, exactly. uh, Cisco Diaz had a question about Quinn Ewers and uh, the future of Malik Murphy, and we do have we had someone else that made a comment in the uh, comment section about uh, Ewers returning question mark. So. Let's clear this up maybe now. And Justin, I'd like you to get first shot at that, if that's okay. 
So what, what's your opinion about this? Uh, we've been hearing the reports. Uh, Eric Nileen first uh, mentioned something. Bobby got a 90% um, confirmation from a source of his that it sounds like uh, Quinn might be coming back. So should that be the case? I'll let you comment on that first. What would that do to uh, Malik? Yeah, Quinn Ewers from day one when he entered high school, they had a plan for him to get that NFL draft clock started as soon as possible. And I think we said it before. That's why he skipped his senior year of high school. So he's on that path and that plan right now. But sometimes plans change. Mm -hmm. And the 2024 NFL draft is loaded with 2024 yeah. quarterbacks. I mean, it is loaded. It's not that Quinn doesn't have one of the better arms of all of them and, and abilities, but I mean, buddy, that you're going against a lot of guys, and you've been injured a couple times in the last couple of years, and so that question mark could be lingering. And Quinn could really benefit from coming back another year. He he's improved immensely in this last season, yeah. and I'd like to see what he would look like next season. And you really don't want to go into the SEC with a quarterback that's never really started before, and that's what you would have with Arch Manning next fall. And so I think I think the Quinn Ewers coming back. It looks good right now. Now, if this bunch makes a college football playoff for some reason and they make a run and he does well, I mean, I, I'm telling you, I, I don't think he would stick around for that. I, I do think he would try to maximize that opportunity. But it looks like he wants to stay right now, at least for the moment. Um, I believe Malik Murphy will leave. I believe that's kind of the writing on the wall. Uh, I do feel like he'll have a plenty. He'll have a list of suitors that would love to, to bring him in and, and give him an opportunity. He's developed pretty well over the last couple of years. Um, the biggest question was, well, now Archman, and what a question, it's the stupidity of social media. Well, Arch Manning's going to leave. And, and it just shows you people don't know anything about Arch Manning. They don't know. Even, we can write it and say it that we're blue in the face. The Mannings are different. Okay, they're not your stereotypical five-star quarterback looking for the easiest starting path at a, at, a, at, a, at a school. Arch loves Austin. Arch loves going to the University of Texas. I mean, he he's home in his eyes. Eli didn't play for three years. Peyton wasn't supposed to even play that early. And, and he just got thrown in the mix. And I had someone say, well, would Arch be willing to sit next year if Quinn came? Yes, he would. And I promise you this. If Quinn came back and Malik did transfer, Arch Manning's getting snaps in 2024. Don't get it twisted. He almost got snaps in two games this year. I mean, he was mm -hmm. this close to have already been getting snaps this season. He would definitely be. And, and that's another thing. You know, Arch was getting a lot of the backup snaps, a lot of the number two snaps in practices this year. And so it wasn't so much of a surprise. Arch isn't going anywhere. The kid loves, absolutely loves Texas. He's one of those kids that just loves Texas. He loves everything about it. And he loves Sark and he loves his teammates. Arch didn't go anywhere. He knows he's got to pay some dues. He knows that. Yeah. They're just that family's just wired differently. They are. And so, and we're still going to get all those arch questions, but it, if that's really what the bottom line is. So I think Quinn, if he does come back, Arch will be the backup. He'll get reps in 2024. You don't want to go into the SEC with a brand new quarterback. Uh, even though you probably get a mulligan going through that schedule for the first time. And I don't think Malik Murphy will be on this roster come January. Uh, I'm not speculating or reporting anything. I just feel like yeah. Malik will probably go on, go on down the road, find another spot. Yeah. And here's the thing too. I think Malik was always going to leave. And if Quinn had left early, Arch would have, would have had the, you know, been the front runner to be the starter. And then it was talk about bringing in a portal quarterback, a guy, you know, like a veteran, 
to, to just kind of push Malik, push, push Arch and, and kind of keep him, you know, keep him going, keep him sharp. Uh, but if that if Quinn stays, then I do not see uh, any chance of them going into the portal for a quarterback. I don't see the necessity to. They've got three or four spots, positions on the team that they will hit the portal in January and February. And we'll talk about a few of those here later on in the show. But right now, Quinn Ewers coming back. It seems kind of likely, but let's pump the brakes. Let's yeah. pump the brakes because a lot of footballs have to be played. You know, I, I don't think Vince Young was planning on leaving uh, after the national before the national title run uh, until later in the year when the stock just got so high, it was ridiculous for him to contemplate even returning. If Quinn goes on a run, kind of like how he started the season, goes on a run, and then they get this team in the playoff and they make a nice little go of it it could get even more interesting. So the quarterback position at Texas is always relevant. It's always a subject. Arch isn't going anywhere. I think Quinn probably stays. And this might be the last season we see Malik Murphy in Austin. Yeah. That's a reasonable take. Rod, anything you'd like to add to that? Or uh, No, I, I think Justin nailed it. I think he yeah. nailed it. I really agree with everything you said. Yeah. And the, the Manning family, if they know anything, is quarterbacking. And they also know good quarterback coaches. They were so loyal yeah. to David Tutcliffe over the years for Peyton and for Eli. And now they probably see the same kind of uh, great co quarterback coach and Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milley for Arch. So that relationship with those two coaches is huge. It's right? huge, Bray. It's absolutely huge. And again, most five-star quarterbacks look at the country. I think we talked about this on the last show. Look at the country over half, almost half the major schools have a new quarterback. That was a portal yeah. guy. They're yeah. always looking for that path. But the Mannings are wired different. They just do things differently. And when they commit, it ain't half-ass. It's all-ass. And, and, and that's why you don't have to worry about Arch. Because they're all in. There go. Well, I appreciate that. All-ass. <laughs> wow. That's our headline. Make a t-shirt about that one. He's the tags on the live wow. stream. Put all-ass up there. That'll, that'll Not half-ass. It's all-ass. There you go. Hey, we've got uh, something called Super Chat that we uh, want you to participate in. And one has a super <laughs> chat for us tonight. And Rod, I was watching last night, and uh, I think you mentioned that you might come back with some information on this. I don't know if that's what you've been scribbling on your pad there as you've been listening to us. Yeah. They like to throw Terry Joseph or Blake Gideon kind of under the bus there. And, uh, it, yeah, I know. I, let me I, read I, the I, question here real quick because people are on the uh, uh, podcast and don't get a chance to see the question on the screen there. I've learned my lesson. So, Rod, where are your stats on Terry Joseph's development of defensive backs so it proves he's not just a good he's, – he's a he's – a, let's say what he intends here. It proves he's a good coach, not just a great recruiter. So what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I, I started research. I don't have it with me. I apologize. I, I can look okay. for it. Man. Be, it did take too long. Trust me. I have to method to the madness. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will get that done. Uh, it's, it's something I'm working on too. But like I said, I, I don't think Terry Joseph – probably is the i don't know i don't think he's his development of cornerbacks right now is the issue um yeah. i thought a lot of Longland fans have been critical of the safeties uh and terry joseph coaches the corners i believe corners. so and i none of the corners are actually playing you know playing much better than the safeties and playing pretty well terrence brooks mm -hmm. and uh you know malik muhammad ryan watts um i think the safeties have probably been more the issue but I will get that. I have. I already started the research, Juan. You, I, I got you, Juan. I got you. All right. We. I'm focused hey, on game, game week stuff, game prep. But I got you. There you go. 
Hey, and we're pulling Juan back in. We're going to make Juan watch every single show. But uh, no, no, yeah. no I, I, I'm not trying. To, I'm, I'm not trying to milk it, Juan. I promise you. It's no, like, no, you don't. You don't. You don't need to throw any more money at it, there, Juan. We'll we'll take care of you. Yeah, don't throw money at it, Juan. Did, no. A guy who did super chats. Maybe the appeal worked. Was uh, Nigel Robertson. And he wants to know about uh, Rocco Beck, the quarterback for Iowa State, not the guy they expected to be the quarterback before the gambling scandal hit. Uh, his dad's an old uh, tight end, Anthony Beck. Anthony guy. Beck from the Jets. Yeah, right. So he was uh, a first round pick. Who's who's uh who's been checking out Rocco? It seems like one of those. Uh, he, he seems like the kind of guy who's well named. He looks like a Rocco, kind of a you know. Great kind of name. a tough kid, not not afraid to tuck it down and go scramble for the seven yards and stick his jersey short. Time. There you go. What what do we know about Rocco yeah. Beck? No, the name He's not is Hunter Deckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's the crazy thing about it. Hunter Deckers would have been the the most experienced quarterback returning in the Big Twelve. Because he's the only one that started and finished every game last season. Uh, but obviously, the Galeman scandal, him and others have been dismissed from the team. Um, several starters. So yeah, you're right. Rocco Beck kind of got thrown into the fire. And the interesting thing about him is, you know, he's improved. Uh, you know, with the playing time, I mean, as young players do. Uh, he was completing just sixty percent of his passes in September. Uh, in November, that's up to 71%. He was at 7.1 yards per attempt in September. Now uh, in, in November, and this is in the month of November, so the last two games. This is not his current stats, okay? It's just in the last two games. Come on. He's uh, 8.6 yards per attempt in the month of November. Uh, in, in, in October, uh, he had four touchdowns, one interception. In November, two touchdowns, one interception. He had nine touchdowns, five interceptions in the first, you know, five, I think the first four or five games of the season in August and September. So if you start breaking it down, you can see the improvement. They're throwing the football less. Uh, he was at 30 passes per game, um, then dropped to 28. Now uh, in, in the month of November, he's at 24 passes per game. So they're actually throwing the ball less, but he's becoming more efficient throwing the football. And I actually, if you look at him, he can run a little bit. He doesn't run. He doesn't like to run, but I've seen him run watching film. I've seen it. And I wouldn't doubt that, you know, win big games, you got to break tendency. I wouldn't doubt if Matt Campbell breaks it out a little bit. Now he may not, because he may not trust his backup because his other quarterback, which would be the third string. Cause technically this Rocco Beck was the backup. Um, so maybe he doesn't want to expose their quarterback, but he may decide to go all in since we know now that, Iowa State considers Texas a rival, even though it may not be reciprocated. Hey, what's this? The Commodian, Justin Wells. He uh, always from the nine hundred three. That's uh, the Tyler area code, right? That's, That's my mom's Texas area code. area code, not just Tyler. Yeah. So the Commodian and I, we know, we know. There you Thank go. you, brother. Yeah, we appreciate nine hundred three. Having baby. a nice laugh at your comment a little bit earlier. So uh, let's so see I'm what Lane C right. What is what did Lane C right uh, right here? Uh, yeah, Matthew, let's check this. This so, is a deep one. <laughs> oh, well, let me see I if saw I can, that one uh, earlier. In Iowa State's losses, the opponents have rushed 29, 37, 41, and 35 times with uh 10% quarterback runs. It's something we can replicate given their elite secondary. So they uh we don't want Quinn Ewers. Tucking and running too much though with that shoulder though, do we? I got a no. big head shake more from my Rod Babers. So Rod, what's your opinion no, on uh, how to attack that? Uh, we kind of talked about it with the 
you know, different things with the three, three, five, but, uh, generally yeah. speaking here, is there something in what, uh, that comment, uh, had for you there? Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the way to attack a three, three high defense ideally is to pound the rock, right? Yeah. You find different ways to do it, uh, that more, maybe more advantageous than the other, but you ideally, <laughs> and Texas is missing, their MVP on offense. We haven't talked about this because I think it's too depressing to discuss that Jay Brooks is is out. Yeah, and, he was, he you know, was he's coming the up antidote yeah. to that three high three down because you can just hand off the rock to him and you can give him the football so many ways. That three yeah. high three down often forces you to check down, and he's a great check down. All ass no breaks. Well, yeah. just got <laughs> to take a sidebar and applaud Tip that. A tap on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that way. <laughs> Oh, that is just fantastic. Make a t-shirt with that one. Come on. Um, okay, but still this is like I, Daniel so Cruz's. I, <laughs> Did you see Daniel Cruz's recruiting shirt? No, what did it say? I'm horny with a longhorn logo oh. on it. Yeah, oh, I've seen I've see seen that. I've seen some ladies on Twitter with that shirt, actually. Yeah, hmm. uh, I've seen that. That's actually pretty cool. I like that. Uh, but no, I think you can. Yeah, Texas. I don't know how Texas is going to run the football. Period. I think they're going to they're going to moneyball this thing, and I think they got to you know hopefully the innovation and creativity. Justin of uh, Sark gives you a chance to run the football, but there's no doubt, man, you're going to miss Jay Brooks. Yes, yes, but ba- Baxter is going to do what he can, and, and and he's 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 shown burst at moments, and he's finally getting to where he's healthy, which I think is going to help. He's still not Jonathan Brooks most instinctive tailback they've got back there. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of um, of Jaden Blue. And I, like I wouldn't that. be shocked if Savion Red took a couple carries. You know, to me, he has a really good running style for what they run. And he may not be your prototypical running back, but he's going to get you three or four yards. He's, he's, he's just – that's a tough kid. Top to bottom, and so running back ought to be—they're going to run. You know they're going to run, and 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 I wouldn't call Iowa State secondary elite by any stretch. And if anything, yours has shown a penchant. He's either going to find Worthy or Mitchell because one or the other is going to get bracketed. And when they do, AD the week before, Worthy gets ten catches. You know, Worthy two weeks before, Jordan Whitty can get ten catches. So I think Iowa State's going to wind up picking their own poison. Hey, let's spend a minute. This is just off the cuff here, but in appreciation of Adnai Mitchell, this kid's been fantastic. I mean, we get him that. Of course, he's you know played at Georgia, won two state or two straight uh, national championships, but he was injured a lot of the time. So you saw him make big plays, and so you're hoping you would get a guy that could provide a spark, be a, a, a threat. But this guy's come in. He catches the ball. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's dropped one or two over the course of the year. I don't recall that many he's gaining confidence every week this guy i mean so georgia i mean even as good as georgia is could probably use this dude out there he's been amazing so what's ad and i brought to the team rod and is rod frozen battery's pondering <laughs> i can tell you ad okay. he may have had a little glitch, glitch there listen ad wanted to get closer to his daughter down in missouri right. city and with Georgia, you know, they didn't want to, they didn't want to lose him. He was, he was injured quite a bit. And, and when yeah. he played, which was in, in the biggest games possible, he was huge. You know, he was productive in the national championships in the semifinals when you needed him the most. 
But mm-hmm. I think Adnan's found a home in Austin, and I know he's found a good rapport with Quinn Ewers. Mitchell is what Isaiah Nayor was supposed yeah. to be last year. It That was the one thing that makes his offense really, really dangerous is when you've got that vertical guy on the outside, long, twitchy, and can go. And Mitchell has taken full advantage of that. Yeah. I'd rather have Rod's take on it, though. Yeah, Rod, we yeah. just kind of talked about Adnan a little bit. So what, what do you see from number five? Uh, well, he has elite body control for a receiver. I mean, for his watch size. Oh, for, exactly, right? For a guy that size to be able to adjust to the football and that mm-hmm. the, the catch on third and 12 was the, the, the epitome of that, right? He's able to and, and give Quinn some props for just giving his guy a chance. Give his guy a chance. Don't overthrow him. Give his guy a chance. And that's trust in A.D. Mitchell that, all right, if I give him a chance, 50-50 going to turn into 80-20 with this guy. So and he yeah, on that touchdown catch, he also showed elite body control. You see the way he kind of swiveled his hips. Both and- times he spun to the left. Sarkeesian noted it on his rewind show. Yes. Yeah, both times he did the same move. It is. It's a, it was amazing, and he got that little subtle little shove on the DB. Man, he's just savvy. He's a savvy route runner, yeah. and yeah, for a guy his size to have that kind of acceleration and deceleration, the body control, the body control makes his catch radius even wider. Because he can he can twerk his body, circus so laced out and make catches other guys cannot for that size. Uh yeah, man. It, it you're right. He he he's got the clutch gene too. Uh, that's what yeah. Justin was talking about. Big games, big games do nothing to him. He's 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 like he's got ice water, man. He, that guy he's got he showed up in the Bama game. He's got the clutch gene, and that's the beauty of it. No team until Texas plays in the college football playoff will have enough defenders to defend. Oh the weaponry of Texas. That's just, as, as I just said, you have to pick your poison in the passing game. And the only hope you really have is that you have a really good coverage called and that you pick the right poison on that play. And yeah. that Texas ha- made the wrong choice and that you, you know I mean? You call the right defense. If you do that more often times than not, excuse me, more often times than not, then that's, that's your best chance. But John Haycock can do that. He is a hell of a DC and he's yeah. one of the pioneers of the three, three, five, he he probably could do it. His secondary is not elite. I agree with Justin, but they got some damn good players. They got like they're always in the right position. They're always their footing yes. is always correct. Everything that they do is in the right spot. It's just the athletic assignment sound. Yeah, assignment sound. That's a, that's what they'll be. Yes. Again, we mentioned the um, super chats, and we're grateful for those. Keith Davis threw a twenty dollars super chat our way. We've kind of talked about Malik Murphy already, but uh, this is. A reasonable question to ask, but uh, Steve Sarkeesian's a guy who likes to coach up uh, more traditional drop-back passers. He's not really a big uh, dual-threat coach uh, as far as uh, my experience watching uh, Sarkeesian as a coach. But uh, here's Keith's comment. Uh, Justin's asking you, uh, Malik's a five-star person, great arm, but why recruit such a seemingly immobile quarterback did he run in high school? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, no, he 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 didn't run in high school, just like he didn't run in college. In college, uh, <laughs> but he's he's your prototypical pastor. That's not his thing. Listen, yeah. God blessed him with a hand cannon on his right shoulder. He's not going to give him Michael Vick legs either. You know, you only get so much. But no, Keith's right. Malik's definitely a five star kid. I mean, you talk, he's had multiple opportunities to leave. He loves Sark. He loves that locker room. He loves Austin. And so he's had a chance there to develop. But no, uh, why recruit a seemingly un, immobile quarterback? Because not all big-time quarterbacks are going to be mobile. That's that's only a niche. Now, granted, it grows, and it grows more and more. You had your Pat White types 20 years ago where the spread, where they had so many lanes, that that, that was kind of who you look for. But Sark, like you said, Ray, they don't really look for the mobile guy. They like an athletic kid. Listen, Quinn Ewers is deceivingly athletic. Yeah. Go back to his sophomore year at South Lake Carroll and watch after he scored a touchdown. He runs up to the goalpost and touches it with his helmet. Like Quinn is a phenomenal athlete that people don't. I was there filming when he threw it 85 yards. Like it, it, mm. it, he's, he's an athlete. But they don't. He doesn't want a mobile guy because that puts you out of bind. He coached Bryce Young. He got Bryce Young in. Bryce Young wasn't a mobile guy. He's a pass first kind of guy too. But he's able to sort of move around. Malik's yeah. kind of a statue. He's a Drew Bledsoe, Troy Aikman type. He's going to stand in the pocket. He's going to go through all his reads. He's just not a, a fast guy. I don't think he ran in high. I mean, I know he didn't run in high school. I don't even think he ran track. Um, but you don't have to when God blesses you with that with that arm. And so I think that's kind of what he relies on the most. But Keith's right. That's a five-star kid. Family is yeah. tremendous. Great arm. Um, if he doesn't stay in Austin, which I don't expect him to, he's going to go somewhere and do well. I'm going to skip over Justin Yarbrough's uh, super chat for the moment, uh, Matthew, because that's for Justin Wells. And so I'm going to go to uh, Daniel Kinnaman's. And we'll let Rod uh, take a poke at this one. What do you think, man, is uh, Coach PK's uh, defense better than Coach Sarkeesian's offense. I don't know if, uh, how much time you need to ponder uh, that one. That's interesting. Um, you're talking about schematically here, because if you're going off, if you're going off just personnel, I mean the, the offense is better in terms of just personnel wise, right? I mean they have more high end upside players from the O line to the quarterbacks. And that's you got five star receivers. Uh, so upside wise and personnel wise, yeah. I mean, I think the edge would go to the offense sch- schematically. Um, I I like Sark's offense. I really do. I think it's like it's an amalgamation of cheat codes and different force multipliers. So I I think it's a, it's a modernized offense. It and he continues to evolve it as I watch it and study it. He adds. You can tell that he's a football theorist. He adds to it. Um, he recently added things like that, that cheetah motion that's taken over that the Miami Dolphins use with Tyreek Hill. Like he's kind of added that to the offense. He'll add things that you'll, if you watch enough football at the highest levels and you watch offensive 
you know, coordinators and call, play callers that he likes. They, they say he likes the best offensive minds in, in football. Yeah, he'll steal stuff. He's, he's, he's yeah, opening he's, up about that. And every coach does it, but only right. Slick admits it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I love about his offense. He will just steal. If you stole in front of Dabo Sweeney, he'd give you yeah. his testimony. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's one of those guys, right? So that's why the off that's why Longman fans like the offense because they enjoy watching it, right? They didn't enjoy watching all Greg Davis's offense. They enjoyed watching Vince Young run the offense. But they they complained about Greg Davis all the time. PK's uh, defense, I like PK's defense because it's it's a malleable defense. I'm not sure he still has all the pieces yet to run the style of defense that he wants, and mainly in the in the secondary on the back end. I think he's building the front kind of the way he wants it. He's got some of the athletes that he likes. Uh, I mean, that that interior D-line, I mean, that's just a nasty – he inherited that. and That's that's exactly what everybody wants, right, You the interior D-line in Texas has. But Ethan Burks, those kind of players are his types of athletes that he wants on the edge, uh, you know, with the safeties. I don't think they have the safeties they want yet. Uh, they're working on that. The corners, I think they're just starting to get the kind of corners – that they want as well out there. So I think it's a process more with the defense that they haven't done. They haven't gotten done kind of restructuring it or building it uh, like they, the offense. The offense is ahead of them in terms of roster construction. There's no question about that because Sark's the head coach and he's the offensive play caller. Right. Hey, let's go to Justin Yarbrough's super chat now. And this is for Justin Wells. Uh, Justin, chances are we had another safety to the class and will they take uh, one or two in the portal? And also, can Jalen Catalan return? Should he wish to do that for yet another year? I know he's been in college for quite a while, but uh, he's also been out with injuries uh, quite a bit. What do you know about Catalan's status, uh, whether he can continue to play in college, and what's the situation? There was earlier a comment about Xavier uh, Philsame. Philsame, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, so maybe maybe include him in your response, if you don't mind. Yeah, they want another safety. And Xavier Philsame out of McKinney, uh, committed to Florida. I mean, he's a freak athlete, guys. 6'1", about 190. I mean, he already looks good. Uh, Texas got in late on him. I don't know what was the deal. I don't know what Gideon wasn't seen, but they 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 made up a little bit of ground. And so if, if he does flip, uh, I, I think Texas is probably the prime place for him to, to go. Uh, they want to add another safety. If they don't get him, they might go back after Miles Davis, Converse Judson safety committed to Texas A&M. He says he's He's solid to the Aggies, but I think he's a little more open than he lets on. Corey and Gibson's another guy that they still talk to. I know Joseph is a big fan of him out of Lancaster. He's committed to Clemson. He's been out for the season with a knee injury. I think that one's probably done. He's going to be an early enrollee, and he's getting ready to rehab in Clemson. And so, But that's another one they would want. Um, Catalan, I believe, has one more year of eligibility. I think he actually has his COVID year. I think he has his COVID year if if he wanted to return. But they – are going to take a safety in the portal. They are definitely going to do that because hypothetically, let's say you lose Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, and Jalen Catalan. Um, you got some athletes back there. Derek Williams will be your elder statesman, and you're going to need somebody with a little more experience playing back there on the back end beside him. Uh, not that he couldn't do it, but it, you just got to fill out the roster. You got to churn out the bottom of it, and that means adding another big safety. Um I, th- I think they have to do that. But Catalan, I believe he can return. I believe he can. Mm-hmm. Um, his mm-hmm. shoulder's always going to bother him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a career he's going to have in the NFL. 
he's going to get in a camp. I don't feel like he'll ever get drafted, but he'll definitely make a, a camp and a tryout as an undrafted free agent. And he'll impress when he's on the field, people will figure out he can diagnose. He, he, he is a very proactive defender. He does not react. He, he knows where he's going before the ball goes. He's so smart. Um, but I think the shoulder is always going to be a problem. So yeah. much Bob Sanders to him. You know, we didn't see a lot of Bob Sanders, one of the best safeties in the 90s, early 2000s because of the injuries, because of how hard he played. And I think that's kind of like how Catalan is. They're, they're, they're going for, for Phil Fassane. They want to flip him. They're going to try to do that up until National Signing Day. I do think without a doubt they're going to add the right safety. If Sark's done one thing in the portal better than everybody else, it's add, for the most part, I'm not talking about – Couple of those Bama guys a couple of years ago, but I'm saying for the, most, yeah. for the most part, they have added really strong mental eval guys, really strong culturally based guys, kind of like Jalen Catalan came in and was really stable back there for those guys. And so, yeah, there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of movement in the safety position in this offseason, and it's going to be curious to see how everything kind of turns out. But they would like more than just Jordan Johnson Rebel, the safety out of the IMG Academy down in Braden, Florida. He's going to be a dude that comes in and plays in a couple of years, but I know they'd like to have another guy back there if they lose a lot. Sure. Hey, uh, Justin Rosenthal gave us a super chat, and don't forget you folks can uh, uh, participate in the super chats as well. Just uh, click on the uh, icon there that uh, does that for you, and we're, we're grateful for these, for your generosity. And uh, Rod will let you uh, take a, a shot at this one. And this is about uh, Jonathan Brooks. So uh, hypothetically speaking, as Justin Rosenthal, in the case we end up with a first half lead again, which player or position group will have to adjust the most without uh, Jonathan Brooks on the field? So um, maybe you can wrap your brain around that question a little bit better than I'm doing at the moment. But uh, let me give you a shot at it. What do you think? Um, I mean, you could argue it's the defense just because if they don't have the running game to be able to control control the game, essentially milk the clock, um, the defense could get exposed. Remember, Sark said in the media availability, the reason he started to run the football on that field goal drive in the second half. It was the third was quarter. Yeah, he said because the defense, you know, needed some help. He didn't want to expose the defense out there. He didn't talk about Quinn or anything. He talked about that defense. Uh, essentially giving up plays and allowing scores and he wants on the field way too long in the third quarter and he said he wants to slow the game down so i if they can't you know and i listen i would say wants to slow the game down anyway i would say i believe they're 120th in plays per minute in the country so they want to play slow football to control convert the third downs can convert and then choke the life out of the clock that's what they want to do um but Something's been happening against Texas defense. Teams have been scoring quickly, right? Have you noticed lately mm-hmm. how quickly teams have been scoring since that U of H game? I mean, they score in under three minutes. Most of the touchdowns Texas defense has given up, they don't give up a lot of touchdowns. But when they give up a touchdown, it's like it happens in like three minutes, like real quick. And Texas has been, unfortunately, because of some of the turnovers and the K-State game, they've had to deal with short fields. So that's unfortunate, too, for the Texas defense, right, and sudden change. So I think it may be the defense because Texas may not be able to control the game and they may not be able to slow the game down when they need to without a Jay Brooks in the running game. And they already, you know, they're they're, they're vulnerable 
in certain stages of the game. Yeah. And it's weird, even when, when Texas gets up and they force a team to become one-dimensional, <laughs> uh, which is – and Texas has one of the best rush defenses out there too with that style D-line. That's when they're at their most vulnerable. It's this very strange thing. And Texas knows exactly what the opponent's going to do. They're going to throw the football to get back in the game, and yet they're, they're still exposed in those areas. So, And they haven't fixed it. That's why Stark was frustrated too um, with the defense. So that, I think it would be the defense that's got to adjust without Jay Brooks, man. Good call. Good call. Yeah, and uh, hey, Justin Rosenthal, great question. I, uh, I mean, his name's wrong. Justin. They're, they're going to be good questions. Everybody named Justin is uh, awesome, right? Hey, uh, uh, Daniel Kinnaman is a pretty cool dude, too, because he uh, has another, yet another super chat. So Daniel asked, Ooh. and this is good because I was watching uh, Connor Stroh walk off the field a couple of weeks ago, and I'm saying, that big kid right there. Then I go, well, he's just a freshman, so you can't expect too much yet. So it made me think about the patience of these guys and waiting their turn and things along those lines. So, Justin, what do you think? Does the Texas keep all the 2022 and 2023 offensive line recruits that they've stockpiled this offseason? That's a legit question. It really is. With the 2022s, they were told you're going to build together and you, you're going to play early. And that's exactly what they've done. The 2023 recruits, O-line recruits were told, okay, you're going to be the depth. You're going to have to wait mm-hmm. a, a little bit because we've got this O2, this 2022 class. And so Flood was open and honest with all of them about kind of what their roles were going to be in the future, of what they're looking for. Um I don't think you're gonna. They're gonna lose any 2023s. I think all those guys kind of understand their spot, their role. It's like, look, you got some NFL dudes in front of you, some too deep in front of you. Which Texas, I can't remember Texas saying that for years. And so that's a good problem to have with the 2022s. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one ducked out. I wouldn't be surprised if if one didn't get you know the, the amount of playing time he would hope. And, and, and he goes goes ahead and, and tries to find another spot. I don't know of any of them right now that are openly looking around or, or even upset with their playing time. I just know the law of averages. And to keep everyone from both classes would be a pretty tall task. Flood's been open with them. He talks to them. He lets them know kind of their role and their place. But I just I just think from the law of averages, they probably would lose one 2022. And hypothetically, they might lose one 2023. It depends if, if, they're, if, that, if one of those 2023 linemen isn't developing the way that they need to develop, they're not going to wait. They're not mm-hmm. going to say, hey, well, we'll give you another year to figure it out. That's not how this program works. They're already getting recruited over now. Brandon Baker is going to be pushing Cam Williams for right tackle next year, and Cam Williams is going to be ready to start and ready to rock heads for two years before he gets drafted. And so if if there's a 2023 that may not be coming along in development, you see one pop in the portal, it may have been the the coaches saying, you know what, we loved your effort, but uh, you you might want to find a different place. And so, and that's just the the life of, of college football these days. Interesting. Hey, Rod, Burt Reynolds is always one of my favorite posters. And uh, he had a comment at 721, Matthew. He's just asking about health of a football team at this point in the season. Nobody's healthy at this point in the season, right? (laughs) So what what was the experience of your teams? He asked, Rod, how they ended up with your teams at this point in the season? And how's that compared to the health of this year's team? Just speak to the physical nature of the sport and the fact that at this point in the season – Everybody's oh, walking wounded, right? 
Yeah, it is. I mean, it, it and it happens late in the season. I mean, it's hard to remember like guys who were out, but I remember big games where we had big injuries. Remember that? Remember the Big Twelve title? I mean, the Big Twelve title game against Colorado. In that game, <laughs> on Cedric one Benson. Yeah, one of the turnovers by man Sims. Mike Williams. Mike Williams are running down to try to catch the guy and tackle the the defender with the ball. They run into one another, knock each other out of the game. They gave him a neck injury, and he missed the Holiday Bowl. He missed, like, the next three or four months. Bro, that's our first-round offensive tackle, first-round running back, boom, knocked out of the game. I mean, we got depth, but damn. (laughs) <laughs> you know what right. I mean? that's, a, that's a lot to absorb, bro. And I remember the Texas Tech game, uh, 2002, lost to it lost to Cliff Kingsbury, and Mike Leach in the fourth quarter after a 14 nothing lead in the first bro, quarter, bro. We and Wes Welker, oh Wes Welker's coming out party. It was Kingsbury's final hoorah. Oh, they lit us up, man. Every time I get a chance to see Cliff Kingsbury and meet him, I, I, I had to let him know, like, hey, man, just so you know, I was in that secondary, man. And Wes Welker, y'all lit us up. Uh, I was on the outside, and I should to this day. I still regret not going to the slot because we had so many. Nathan Basher got hurt in that game. Yeah, Basher. I mean, come on, man. Basher might be one of the greatest. He's like on the Mount Rushmore of DBU here in Texas. Derek Johnson went down that game for a little while. Oh, Kevin Thornton, Kevin Thornton went down that game. Mm. I think Marcus Tubbs went. Down. We just had it was a mass shooting. Guys were just going down yeah. right in that game. And we just we couldn't sustain it. We were overwhelmed. They had a great game, game plan, everything. But my point is, I it was late in the season. Those those were late in the season. The Big Twelve title game. That was Texas Tech game. I think it was the last game of the November. season. November. Yeah, the the, that's what happened in those games. You all you're already hobbled. Everybody's already dinged up. All right. Are you are you hurt? Are you injured? Everybody's hurt, but not everybody's injured. Injured means you can't go. So everybody's hurt, but all it takes is one bad play because you you're so banged up that boom you you go from hurt to injured real quick these days. So it's unfortunate, man. But everybody's dealing with it. It's sad that yeah. some guys are out for the season, but and everybody's dealing with it at this point. Hey, our friend UT boy had a ten dollars super chat. I don't see a question associated, but I do see a hook'em horns hey. sign there. Don't, I don't know what is that. UT My, boy, that's a hook'em. Thank you, UT yeah, boy. That, Maybe. Matthew, I'll if there's anything associated with that, we're happy to uh, read something thank on behalf you, of the boy. boy but he just wants to so acknowledge much. he's one of our guys. He's a guy and we love uh John Tay. We just need to get John Tay down the field a little more instead of throwing something five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, then, uh, maybe yes, man, if they block though, they get that block. Yeah. I told yeah. you, I told <laughs> UT Boy a story a while back about how my son's favorite Texas Longhorn this year is John Tay Cook. And, you know, he's wondering right. why he doesn't play. And I said, well, I, he, I take my son to um, camps, football camps and games. And, I mean, he does all that with me for the most part. That's and cool. he met Jonte as a junior. And they kind of struck up a little friendship to the point when I would call Jonte for recruiting stuff or just checking in, they would FaceTime each other. And so, <laughs> you keep, so just to give you an idea of how cool Jonte is, how good of a guy <laughs> he is to take time to FaceTime with my son, like that, he, he's number right. one in this house. Right. He might be number two on the field, but he's number one in this house right now. There you go. Nice. nice. I like that. Hey, football Junkie also has a super chat for us here. We're going to need to leave one of these spots, uh, Football Junkie, for a tight end. I know that much. But uh, do we take a corner and a linebacker in the mm-hmm. portal? And how many defensive tackles do we take? Well, Football Junkie just wants to redo the whole – he wants to do it Colorado style. He wants to remake the whole team. But, Justin, what do you <laughs> right. think about the, the portal? 
Well, right. They'll take – I think they get another corner in the, in, in the – actually, I think okay. they get a defensive back mm-hmm. in, 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 in the portal probably in December. Um, I think he's starting on one of the Big 12 teams right now, and I think he'll wind up uh, joining another recruit on campus in the next month, uh, in January, obviously. But uh, I do think they'll take a defensive back. I do think they're going to take another defensive back because he can play three different levels. He started the Big 12 for two years. Um, Linebacker, I don't see it. I think they love the development. Now, if a a no-brainer traditional inside backer that can cover in space, shoots gaps, and doesn't get caught in the wash is available, yeah, (laughs) they'll go for him. But I think they love the development of the young guys. And let me tell you something. Darren Gallette is going to be a monster. Like He is just getting in back from that injury a year ago, and, and I think there's some promise there. And don't be shocked when Anthony Hill moves inside in the spring. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to see a lot more of that once Jalen Ford's gone uh, to the league. And uh, D tackles, I you know what? They've got three in this cycle, all three with pr- pretty good upside. I wouldn't call them elite but damn good upside and big, big bodies to jump in the SEC. But they could lose a lot in this draft, notably Sweat and Murphy. Yeah, and so yeah. I feel like they're going to have to look for, for a defensive tackle just from depth. Trill Carter was has been great this year in his role. You know, he had a sack in the last game. He doesn't play much, but it's that depth. It's giving that guy, it's giving the guy in front of him some snaps off and still being able to be productive. If there's a defensive tackle with that type of mentality that that came with with 272 snaps as an all Big Ten honorable mention D lineman, you take him. You're going to the SEC. You can't have enough of those guys. Georgia flipped one of Florida's D-line commits today in the 2024 cycle. Look at Georgia's D-line. It's ridiculous. It looks like Bama for the last 10 years. So, yeah, I think they would – they're going to take another defensive back. I can't really get into any more of that. Linebacker, eh, it depends on who it was. And D-tackle, you can't have too many of them. So, if Mm -hmm. one matches, they'll make the connection. Yeah. And I think we've seen flashes, too, of Jure Bledsoe. We keep hearing about what a talented, uh, natural talent he is. I mean, he oh, has Jure, a yes. yes. We're seeing flashes, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, Nigel Robertson had a quick question. I want to get to that before we're done. Um, okay. It's just basically Nigel saying, are there any Kobe Black updates? Uh, the only update you need is that Texas and Kobe look fantastic. Uh, we've been posting for the last couple of weeks. Little updates here and there. He's going to announce in the next few weeks. He'll have a ceremony at his school. Um, Texas and Kobe look fantastic. I, I can't oh. really, I can't put it any better, any other way without saying more than I should. Uh, just believe me, Kobe and Texas make a lot of sense. Love hearing that. Yeah. Matthew Chris P. Bacon. Get it and get the guy's name. He says, uh, we, we can touch on this. I know, Rod, you guys played this. 20 times last night on the this live. This is a good question. We need to talk about this. Yeah, the, we, no, trust me. This this was getting addressed tonight. So the the lineman, uh, what's the Jared or whatever his name? Jared. Is. Oh, Jared from Subway. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so he made the you know the a minute three whatever it is a uh, comment uh, being interviewed about uh, you know Texas and how uh, they don't think much of them and they're gonna. Texas is going to go up there and they don't understand they're going to be playing in the dark and uh, all this stuff. People have probably seen it. I mean, Matt, you could probably even pull up the clip. I don't know. He may have with a, in a, 
a little a repository over there. If you'd like to play it, he's welcome to. But uh, I think most people are aware of it by now. Uh, I think he's an offensive guard for Iowa State. Yeah. Made plenty of comments. Uh, good locker room uh, board, uh, you know, material for the Longhorns. Uh, what do you think about uh, this? He says, well, what's the reaction to use you guys back in the day when he spewed this kind of crap? So does uh, this really bulletin board material, does that really uh, have much of an effect on a team? I got to take after Rod, by the way. Okay. Yeah. No, it's no, I, I think everybody's got to take. Honestly, personally, we didn't have a lot of this. So, social media has really changed the petty aspect of sports, right? Now you got coaches talking trash to each other, beefing. I mean, it's, it's, different. it's a different level. So, we didn't have that. We would have to, right? Just we'd read about it in a newspaper or something and be like, oh, what? What, what was that quote? It took days after it happened. <laughs> exactly right. This is this is a this happened on a Tuesday. This young man threw out this quote. Right? It's like you ain't even put the game plan in, man. You ain't even watched all the film yet. Dude. What are you doing? So that's the first thing. So I think the, the only time I remember trash talk that stood out to me before the game, I believe it came from Bethel Johnson. He was an Aggie receiver. Mm-hmm. Got drafted in the league pretty yeah, high. Yeah, played the league for the Green Bay Packers and for yeah. the New England Patriots. Yes, he's fast. Like he was. He, he married dude, a sprinter from the University of Houston. Bro, they must have had some fast kids because he was fast. Bethel could run. He could yeah. run, run. <laughs> um, and I believe the comment for him was, "May ask because our secondary was pretty damn good that year." And I believe he said something. They asked him about our secondary. He said something to the. I believe it was like, "If Jesus, Jesus couldn't cover me if he had cleats." I believe was the comment that he made. If I'm not mistaken, that's pretty um, good. It was pretty good. I ain't gonna lie. I said I said that as I was like, honestly, that's pretty good. It just I say you disrespected Jesus. I'm a child of God, so I take offense to that. But I was like, you know, <laughs> Jesus is used to wearing sandals. I got yeah. you back, Lord. Exactly. He wasn't, and he wasn't trash talking us. He he jumped to Jesus. I was like, well, he just he assaulted Jesus. He really didn't say that about the secondary. He stayed away from us. But yeah, man, I, I guys, what shocked me is that it's coming from Iowa State. This is so out of character. Yes. For Iowa State. It's so out of character. Now, after they played Texas and beat Texas, Brees Hall had to comment about five-star culture versus five-star player. But they don't usually talk trash before the game. I talked to Alex Okafor. I talked to Derek Johnson about it. These are, you know, legendary lifetime low board Hall of Famers, and Alex Okafor is a Super Bowl winner. And even Alex Okafor said he had to stop it. He had to stop it mid, like mid, <laughs> mid-video. And digested and said, "This is this kid is not going to go here. Is, is he really going to go here before the game and play?" And he did. He went there. They get, and he doubled down and tripled down on it. They gave him a chance to walk it back, and he did not. So I almost feel like now I'm on the conspiracy theory thing. I'm on the grassy knoll here, Justin. Where I almost feel like Matt Campbell put him up to it. I was like, "Why would you do this when you got to play against Tavondre Sweat?" And, and Byron Murphy, the, the best D-tackle combo and duo in all of college football, what could be your motivation? I, it, it's, it's just crazy. I don't, I don't get it. I don't, unless he just he wants to smoke and he wants to prove to the world that he's an NFL player. And if he shows up against Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy on Saturday, hey, even NFL scouts have to recognize this guy's got to be pretty good because this is the best damn D-tackle in the country. <laughs> I, I can promise you uh, Matt Campbell did not – <laughs> want that Jared to say that. I can yeah. promise you that. Because you know what's funny? Leading up to this game, there wasn't a lot of juice, especially on the Texas side. It, no. it was one of those games that had trap 
written all over it. And I'm not talking about early 2010s rap music. I'm talking about this was going to be a trap game through and through. He's right. Night games and aims can be tough. All of a sudden, Texas is awake. Now they've got the juice. It took about two hours for Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat and Jatavian Sanders and, uh, you know, former Longhorns to, to comment. And so, and then you had Jalen uh, Ford posted something about it on social media. Jade Barron. That's the last two to motivate. And so right. I, I, I think it helped Texas. I think this game was a little low on the juice level. I, I, I don't think they were taking them for granted. They've got a good team and they do play well at home. And, you know, they do get the most out of those three stars that they do pull. But I, I guarantee you, Matt Campbell did not want this dude saying it. I give the guy credit because so often we talk to these to the players, you know, during these availabilities, and they, they really do give kind of bland answers. You know, the John Bianco prerequisite test on how you say things, what you say things, and things of that thing. You know, Moral Ajumbo maybe skipped that section last year. Um, and so I like it when they give you a little bit of, of stuff, but mm. this game was low on juice. This game was low on energy. And now all of a sudden you have motivated a defense that didn't play that great in the second half against TCU. So I think it benefits Texas tremendously. They're going to go into the, they were going to go into the game, you know, obviously needing to win anyway, but now you, you've added some, some business to it. I think this helps Texas tremendously. And I think Matt Campbell's shaking his flipping head in the office going, well, there's that. I, the, yeah. the, the thing is, we know that teams feel like this about Texas, right? This is not some he, – he didn't, he, didn't he didn't make some revelation, right? This was <laughs> not some epiphany. But he said the quiet part out loud, right? That's the thing about it. And this, it almost reminds me of when you were hanging around like a young child, like some, I don't know, some 10-year-old, 9-year-old, whatever, and they make a kind of an inappropriate off-putting comment uh, maybe about politics or maybe, I don't know, some just borderline inappropriate, insensitive comment. And you think to yourself, man, this kid didn't think that through. He's getting there from mom and daddy somehow. He's listening. And they're kids. They're still kids. Right? Yeah. Exactly. That's what oh. this reminded me of. This yeah. is from mom and daddy. This is from head coach. This is, this, this, this is what the head coach was saying in the meetings. And you're not supposed to go out and talk about family right. business like that. But he basically did. He put the family business out there with the media. I guarantee this is a Matt Campbell message. He just put it out there for the world. Okay. Hey, that's on Inside Texas. On Inside Texas, Joe Cook wrote an article about that subject. And he essentially said that if these people are saying this, if Brees Hall said that five tall culture thing a couple of years ago, this offensive lineman did this, then they're hearing it from Matt Campbell in the meeting rooms. Yep. So, agreed. Mr. He's Accountability right. Joe Cook literally wrote an article on that, so he agrees. Hey, Cotton had a question earlier that, that Matthew popped up on that screen. Matthew, if you want to put it back up there, I think it was probably one of the best questions we've had. Um, name at least two actors from the movie Juice. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, no. Omar Epps. Easy. And Tupac Shakur. Done. Come on. And, too easy. And I, I, I had the CD. I had the soundtrack. And Naughty by Nature Ooh. has the absolute best opening song on that soundtrack. And if you haven't listened oh, to it, you got to bring it. It's, it's so much better than OPP and, and Feel Me Flow and all those other ones. Juice was a fun movie and one of Tupac's first ones. But th those are two actors you asked. And there you go. You got um, Omar oh, Epps and right Tupac there. Shakur. That's my man. Nice. I like oh, that. Really? Hey, Steve Sarkeesian talks about versatility all the time. 
nobody's got anything on uh, Justin Wells when it comes to versatility. So there you oh, go. Oh, totally agree with that. And I'll add to that, Tupac also Stark's favorite rapper. Boom! So I'm sure he's yeah. really. It's California Thanks. love. Yeah. Yeah. Even though, you know, even though he was originally we'll bring everything around to a Baltimore guy. Vanilla you know. Ice Wells. Mr. Talk Too Much has a super chat. We're going to have to wrap things up here pretty soon. We're going to come in on a minute, an hour and 10 minutes here in just a bit. So uh, I'm not sure exactly. Is that U.S. like the United States? Why would the United States integrity be the source of any investigation into a sports program? Uh, Obviously speaking hmm. in Michigan. I don't know if there's been something. I haven't seen anything today. Uh, if there's an update, Mr. Talk Too Much, I, I apologize for not being up on any latest things. I know that there was consideration that Ohio State and a relative of some folks had some issues going on there, not sign stealing, in his opinion. Keep winning. The fit ha <clears throat> the fit has hit the shan, Rod. So, Rod, I don't know if you can speak to what Mr. Talk Too Much is Have you seen the latest, Rod? What, what is the latest? Am I missing something? What's the latest? Oh, no. What happened? What it, it's it's pure gold. It's, I wish we could get a scandal like that. You talk about numbers. You talk about clicks and subscriptions. Oh, man, they're killing it right now. Um, that Michigan Ohio State game, the ratings are going to be through the roof. They found they found that he was on Judge Judy years ago. Oh, I saw this. Yes, I saw this. In and they had Judge Judy give yes. a statement today. <laughs> no, I did not see that. That I did not see. No, yeah, I did Judge not see that. Judge Judy gave a statement today, and oh, basically no. it was him and his father are really good at playing gin. Wow. And, he, and she found them fun and interesting. So every wow. day there's something coming out of Ann Arbor. <laughs> you got to be good. Wow. Yeah, the other day he said they are they, they are America's team because <laughs> yeah, I heard that. They're, they're being persecuted, basically. And then I love, did y'all see the, the, I know we got to get out of here, but y'all see the post game for the interim coach? And yeah, how oh, crying, crying and thanking God and cussing at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. It is. This he is had it all. Best. That was the the gamut <laughs> of emotion. Yes, guys, this story is so good. It's just it's a it gift. is it's so giving, man. It's I so can't good. wait yeah. for the thirty for thirty. Hey, oh, everybody, please, uh, please uh, give us a like and subscribe if you haven't already. Hey, Justin, please. I just wanted to say congratulations. I'm a I grew up an Astros fan. I was all, I've always been okay with the Rangers. I know a lot of my family members are giant Rangers fans and things too. And I've got a lot of friends who are obviously Rangers fans and congratulations to you. I know you had a special moment two weeks ago. Your boy stayed up with you. And you watched the end of that. What'd that mean to you? Nice. Well, the first thing, I mean, obviously I've been a Rangers fan my whole life. And, and so, you know, seeing them win for the first time was a, a really big deal to me. I'm a Dallas kid, Cowboys, Mavericks, stars, Rangers. It's just who I've been raised around and it's who I've loved since I was little. Um, but I'm kind of jealous of my my son. You know, he's seven, yeah. he just turned seven, and he doesn't understand the pain of being a Texas yeah. Rangers fan. No. He thinks this is normal. Mm. He thinks, oh, we go to the World Series. Oh, we win. And it's like, oh, man, you lucky son of a gun. Like, you, you missed out on a lot of pain. A lot of pain. And the Mavericks are good right now. And he loves Luke and Kyrie. So there, there's some there to follow. But I will say this. I did let him stay up. For, for the games, the World Series games. Luckily, they didn't they didn't last too long. They weren't too late because he, he goes to first grade, so they weren't too late. But him being here with me when it – like the final inning, we sat in front of the TV on the coffee table, and we were like every strike. And, and I think that's why they won 
it wasn't meant for me to see him win single without wow. a son, without right. somebody to share it with. I was actually borderline homeless the first time Texas, when they went to the World Series against uh, uh, San Francisco. And so I, maybe it wasn't their time to win it then. Maybe I had to wait for my son to be with me to, to get to enjoy mm, that. Wow. Moment. And so the way he point. bought in, the way he he's so, so, he's just like I was. He's just so into all of it, man. I mean, he's full bore and he wants to work on it. And he wants to practice it every day. And it just, it was really special. I appreciate you asking about that, Ray, because I don't know when I'm going to be able to share a moment like that again. I mean, the Cowboys probably won't win until Jerry Jones is buried. And, and the, Mavs, the Mavs are going to make a run in the next four to five years, as long as they keep Luca and, and, and they keep putting pieces around him. So we've got that to, to, to bank on. But, man, watching the Rangers, he got to stay up late with me. Uh, we, we, I already had ordered him a, a, a one of the World Series hats and, and shirts. So when he got wow. out of school a few days later, he had that for class. And, yeah, I, I um, nice. I'll never forget it. And I, I'm just thinking that's a lucky kid. Because man, he didn't hear all the heartbreak that I had to go through. Man, that's that's for <laughs> that's real. Awesome. Hey, congratulations, buddy. Hey, Matthew, let's finish with the. Uh, there's a uh, super chat about Corey Black. So he's obviously the older brother, defensive back for Oklahoma State. Justin, give us a few seconds on a uh, Corey Black and whether he would be a fit for the uh, Longhorn defensive backfield. Great flip, great fit, great fit. <laughs> He can play three positions in the secondary. He, he can play three positions in the secondary if that helps you out. Yeah. That's good. I'd call and him well, a DB. Kamir Hussain, I mean, hey, Justin has texted me and said, dude, if people are keeping asking questions, Ray, don't quit. So Kabir Hussein has another super chat, just came in. Uh, I say yes. Does uh, Quinn coming back make some wide yeah. receivers want to hop in the portal and come to Texas? A third-year yeah. stud, five-star recruit. What do you think? Yes, yes, mm -hmm. especially when you're going to lose Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, and Adnan Mitchell. Yes, um, they, they'll look. Listen, they're going to take three receivers in this cycle, which we have been we've talked about all season. They've got the three they want. Uh, they're going to get one more. They're going to add one more. It'll be a portal guy uh, that remains to be seen. Who, uh, but you know, like Evan Stewart, that would that would be great. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how realistic Evan would be right now. I, I do think he's kind of. I think he's happy in college station. I think he's going to wait to see who they bring in. And I'm, he's probably talking to a few other schools across the country that are looking at him too. Uh, but at the end of the day, yes, Quinn coming back does help with wide receivers. And Arch Manning being the backup helps with the recruits. Ryan Wingo, that's one of the big selling points for him was, was to be the guy that's going to catch touchdowns from Arch Manning because he's going yep. to throw them to somebody. And one of them is going to be Jonte Cook, who's going to be the other. Well, right. Wingo said, why not myself? And so, yeah, Quinn coming back would definitely help with that. Um, I don't know who it would be right now, but give it a few weeks. Check it InsideTexas.com. We're going to continually update that. That's where you'll find that answer. And Evan Stewart would be a nice little ad, but I would I would pump the brakes on that one early on. For right now. I've been looking at the comments that everyone's been uh, typing in over in the comments section, and we've got, a, a, once again, a great community of uh, posters we really appreciate it. Our, we like to think our Wednesday stream is a little bit different. You know, we have a lot of fun with it and uh, I think we have a good rapport among the guys here and uh, we love having the comments. And so we always try to integrate those as well. So we're very grateful for you tuning in to us and uh, we love doing this and have a, a great time doing it. So uh, don't forget to 
Keep tuning in every Wednesday and uh, liking and subscribing and uh, joining us on the Longhorn live stream on Wednesdays and uh, every night that we do it here on On Texas Football. Bobby Burton's created a great uh, opportunity to uh, share information with the fans, and uh, we, we do it here because we, we love the Longhorns and we love football and uh, sports. It's a, it's a fun thing to be involved with and to cover. So thanks, everybody, for watching us on the Longhorn live stream. Again, my name is Ray Peters, along with Justin Wells and Rod Babers. Don't forget coffee and football in the morning with uh, Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton and Blake Monroe. And uh, we'll see you next time. So for the next time, uh, hook them, buddies. Take care. Hook them.